are you? Oh, my goodness. It's been a long time. It's been way too long. Yeah. We've had some um, things. Mm, more life-changing things. I was thinking, let's just get all these life-changing things out of the way in 2020. Oh Why don't we just keep, you know, adding this on top of that, on top of this and that, and then it can all be over with and we can go into 2021 skipping. Yeah, or something like that. Or something I would like love that. to skip because right now I can't skip. But no, you can't. But yeah. your heart can skip beats because you're alive. And two weeks ago, after a couple weeks of feeling... Um, a lot of dizziness. In fact, I've been sharing that for a few days before this happened, I had set alarms on my phone at random times every waking hour to just pray for healing in your body and for us to be able to focus and know, have wisdom to go to the correct doctor for dizziness. Like, you know, cause you call them, you're like, I'm dizzy. And they're like, do you have a fever? No. Do you have? So anyway, all that to say, I had been been praying before I knew this actually was going to go down this way. Yeah, I figured, you know, since 2020 was full of all kinds of surreal craziness, I just add a little mm. extra drama oh to goodness. it, right? Right. So after you ate dinner, you came upstairs to just finish a virtual presentation you were yeah. putting together. And you called me on my phone downstairs and I could hear in your voice you were trying to be calm. And as I ran up the stairs, I realized Brian can't breathe. And he's in incredible pain. Somehow we got you to the car. And while in the car, I was able to call the ambulance to meet me at a fire station that wasn't very far. Just minutes away. Because I realized, I don't know that I can get him to the hospital. I I, I actually think I should get the 911 call though. Hi, this is Bethany. My name is Bethany Bomberger. My husband can't breathe. He's passing out. Um. And then I'd stop and be like, in Jesus' name, you will live and not die. In Jesus' name, your heart is fine. In Jesus' name, you can breathe. Babe, you can do it. Just breathe. Just be calm. Can you get the MT there? Where are we going to meet? I'm going to meet. I'm going to be on this road. Get there. Anyway. Meanwhile, I was blacking out. And I was... It was uh, Oh, and then, then the EMTs, terrifying. which are phenomenal, they the one turned to me and said, we don't know your husband's normal color. Is he pale right now? <laughs> What is that he's supposed to mean? I, mean, I was like, I, I'm he looks like a white man, and he doesn't typically. He looks like a white man, but he's he's not. He's a brown man. That's not his color. He can't breathe. Do something. Oh, they're so patient. Because I kept yelling, do something. And they were all kind of like flustered. Well, well, does he have medical condition? No. What's going I have no, no idea. Breathe. <laughs> that was my current medical anyway, condition. The long story short is yeah. God is so good and you had a blood clot in your leg that had traveled up through your heart and separated and so now there's a blood clot in each one of your lungs at the moment although the Lord is although the Lord is healing those and your body will dissolve those in Jesus name and after I believe it was 3 EKGs and one ultrasound later um they really couldn't believe that your heart hadn't sustained damage from this so we know that God was with you and he continues to be with you and the fact that you're even able to sit here and chat is pretty much a miracle because i don't know this is this is going to be a long road to recovery and yeah. life is going to look really different but, but i'm going to tell you this there are times in your life where god is signaling you <laughs> i had a lot of signals now, what I do, because I travel so much and because I'm a designer, I have a very sedentary job. I, we have four kids. They keep us active, but unfortunately, that didn't counteract 
all mm-hmm. the immobility, you know, just sitting at the computer and hours and hours flying across the country. And thank lots God, of flights, lots of flights. Thank God, I wasn't flying yeah. that day. Yeah. Actually, I because I was hadn't been feeling well for for several weeks. Actually, for several months because I was right. going through some other issues, uh, not related to that. And we had, we had canceled events. I I could have been in the air if I had yeah. been in the air when this happened. Yeah, but, but you God. weren't. But you <laughs> so, weren't. And here we are. You know, it's funny. I was telling my friends yesterday that the week that I lost my mom and my grandma, I had spoken to a women's group about what it means to be stronger than your circumstances. This day that it happened, I had done a recording for some women and I had done two recordings that day, but I had been talking about spiritual warfare and the reality of that. So I've decided I'm going to talk about things like laughter and joy. That way it's not like a prophetic. Come on. That's, uh-oh. Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah, we need more of that. So anyway, so today we're going to, we're going to spend a moment and have a little praise party on the count of three. We're just going to thank the Lord for all the things that he's done because he, when I woke up yesterday morning, I was singing the old song. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in his courts. We want to be in his presence. We want to be able to filter all that's going on around us through the filter of the presence of God. So we're going to count to three and then we're going to ask you to join us. And we're just going to just party and say, thank you, Lord. Think of something to be thankful for. You ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. I'm going to count backwards. Three, two, one. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. I couldn't sing about two weeks ago, so... No, his lungs... See, and and that's the other thing, right? If the enemy's going to try to take you out, babe, Uh, what's he going to do? He's going to try to take your lungs so that you can't keep speaking the truth and that you can't keep singing over the enemy. But the Lord has promised in Romans, he said, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So we are grateful that what he tried to intend for evil, we're going to see God get the glory for. Come on. I love when God gets the glory. Me too. I love when you're home because I can't live without you. I can't live without you. My gosh. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So when we um, come back, yeah, we're gonna talk we're gonna about... talk about. Well, this is one less way... important things. <laughs> this is one way to make important. the election seem less important. <laughs> There's very few things that that will actually feel, at least in my heart, more tumultuous than this election. Oh my but. Gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the top five differences between the Democratic and Republican Party platforms. Yeah. Just all go right. to policy. That's all, right. all we got to do. Life has purpose. Life is beautiful. For example, us and you. Hi, my name is Leah, and I'm pro life because life matters. Hi, I'm Lily, and I'm pro life because mom and babies matter. ProLifeKids.com. Oh, no extra little whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Justice. I'm adopted and loved. When you vote, vote like someone's life depends on it. Because it does. Go to Radiant Salt Life slash vote pro life.
Listen, download, and subscribe to the Life Has Purpose podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And and you know what? While we're giving thanks for your life and all the good things that God is doing, I want to give thanks for Let Us Worship, which hit the... Nation's capital was some crazy oh praise. That Sean was Floyd awesome. We were supposed company. to be there in person, and uh, we couldn't be there in person, but we were there in spirit. So we're thanking God for that incredible uh, victory for and Christians. That worship. In fact, go to Facebook. Go to Sean Foyt. That's F-E-U-C-H-T. Look up Sean Foyt on Facebook and watch that phenomenal I mean hours and hours of just worship of unified worship it's such a beautiful reflection of what the body of Christ is supposed to be like Mm -hmm. just powerful and then on top of that and actually kind of related to that just the day after that I believe yes the celebration of the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court Thank you, God. Of course, there, there are no definites, you know, in this life. We we understand that. But we know that she is a pro-life yes. individual. She is a history maker. She Come is on. the first adoptive mama to ever be confirmed to the Supreme Court. Come Let on. Let me hear it for Jesus, who's I big on it. adoption. Yes. Can we talk about salvation? <sighs> Not so, without adoption, we can't. Exactly. So he's big on that, too. That's a big answer to prayer. There have been so many people praying in the things that are going on in our nation. And therefore, such a time as this, because this election is a big deal for our nation, and may the remnant continue to rise up. Right, especially the those who claim Christ as their Savior don't really have a lot of excuse when it comes to the decision between two candidates who have the biggest chasm yes. between them. For someone to be undecided for me... Mm-hmm. It's it's an issue of well, what is your moral grounding? Mm-hmm. What are you rooted in? Because if you're actually debating between the two, I I don't understand that. Well, because and- there's nothing similar in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> except for the fact that both. Well, actually, one is a career politician and one is a businessman who yeah. uh, is very much unlike most politicians. I think that what a lot of people have a hard time doing is separating the person from the policy. Right. And and I'm not saying you just negate people's moral character, et cetera. But the reality is we're not we're this isn't a reality show. We're not we're not voting for who's got the best personality. We're not voting who's gonna go to heaven after this. What we're voting for is what is their policy and what are they gonna put forth. Right. And you hear a bunch of uh left leaning evangelicals, including John Piper, used to uh, have great respect for him. Uh and then Phil Vischer, who really should probably stick to veggie tales instead of telling abortion tales. But the (laughs) the dismissiveness of over this election, dismissing dismissiveness of of, of, you know, undoing Roe v. Wade, for instance, Phil Vischer in that that Holy Post podcast, where he's basically saying, "Oh, well, there are so many abortions before Roe v. Wade, and there are so many, there are going to be so many abortions afterward." Well, you could use the same line with homicide. There, there are homicides that that existed long before any homicide laws, and they're going to be homicides, and there are thousands. Right. It, that's not the reason. That's not a that's reason, not reason to not, to not create fight. law. Yeah, right. And or, not to fight to, injustice. Right. But you have these, you know, John Piper's latest where he's talking about the the moral flaws of, of President Donald Trump. And I don't argue with his moral flaws. But my question is, you give me a single politician who's not morally flawed. And then what's your threshold? Is there a certain number of sins? Is there a certain kind of sin? Because at what point do you say morally flawed? Where were these people when Barack Obama was in office? 
Right. Where were they talking about the, the, the one president, the most radically pro-abortion president in history right. that for the first time spoke at a Planned Parenthood gala and said, God bless Planned Parenthood, the organization that kills over 340,000 human beings. A year. There was nothing about that moral flaw right. that led them to say things like, well, don't vote for any particular candidate and certainly don't vote for Trump. So we're just going to take the two-party platforms, platforms, okay? Yes. And before we do that, we're just going to play a little clip yep. from... Uh, Democrat Elijah, Elijah yeah. Cummings, mm -hmm. and he had a little revisionist history to say. Mm. Our Democratic Party that champion civil rights and voting rights and voting rights. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> um, this is what you call pliable history. I think you reshape it into any distortion that you'd like. So the Democrat Party was the party for civil rights? Wait, weren't they were actually the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow, mm -hmm. the party of the KKK, mm -hmm. and um, voter suppression. Yes. Right. Uh, 100%. And now, of course, the party of unlimited abortion. Yep. They've never quite believed that we're all created equal. Mm-hmm. From 2005 to 2011, in fact, I wrote this article about this crazy assertion that the official Democrat Party website made, and they declared, quote, Democrats are unwavering in our support of equal opportunity for all Americans. That's why we work to pass every one of our nation's civil rights laws, civil rights laws, and every law that protects workers on every civil rights issue. Democrats have led the fight, end quote. Okay, they led... <laughs> The fight against every civil rights issue. Yeah. I don't understand, actually. How did they get away with this? Mainstream media. Malfeasance. Yeah. That's what I'm going to call it. Mainstream media malfeasance. And honestly, our public miseducation system. Mm, there you go. Really? Being a factivist again. Mm, that's what I do. Less activism, more factivism, baby. <laughs> right. Well, in the vein of factivism, what we're going to do is going to take, we're going to take the next 10 minutes or so. We'll dive into the top five differences between the Democratic and Republican parties. Mm. Yeah. So we're just going to use each party's platform to highlight the differences. Um, you could read each party platform in the show number 16 block on lifeaspurpose.com. So let's jump in. All right. All right. Let's do this. So here we go. Number one, mm -hmm. the right to life. Mm -hmm. So in their latest platforms, there couldn't be a wider chasm between the two parties. This right. is from Democrats. This is from, and we're reading from the party platforms. Quote, Democrats are committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health, rights, and justice. We believe unequivocally that, the, like the majority of Americans, at least that's what they say, right. that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We will repeal the Title X domestic gag rule and restore federal funding for Planned Parenthood, which provides vital preventative and reproductive health care for millions of people, especially low-income people and people of color and LGBTQ people, including in underserved areas, end quote. Mm. Wow. That was like an ad for Planned Parenthood. It was. It's actually, yeah, the only business the Democratic Party platform mentions by name, by the way. Right. Then they go on uh, to say how they're going to repeal the Hyde and the Helms Amendment. They're going to repeal Title X rules, the Mexico City policy, and they're going to increase abortion funding to the UN uh, Population Fund. Gosh. Yeah, but they're going to reduce abortion. That <laughs> Let's just fund it. Yeah, no, 
No. Pro-life evangelicals for Biden. Oh, like, yeah, that's like believing that pro-slavery politicians reduced slavery. It's not how it works, it does, people. It's not how it works. On the flip side, though, here's the Republican platform, platform on life. I, and I'm just going to read it verbatim. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> the Constitution's guarantee that no one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property deliberately echoes the Declaration of Independence's proclamation that all are endowed by their creator with the inalienable right to life. Accordingly, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. Mm -hmm. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution, come on, Jesus, and legislation to make it clear that the 14th Amendment's protections apply to children before birth. Yes. We oppose the use of public funds to perform or promote abortion or to fund organizations like Planned Parenthood so long as they provide or refer for elective abortions or self-fetal body parts rather than provide health care. Numerous studies have shown that abortion endangers the health and well-being of women, and we stand firmly against it. No gray area, folks. <laughs> None. None at all. Now... I've talked to lots of different people about where they stand politically. And at the end of the day, we're not asking people to sign up and be, you know, part of a certain party. But we just want you to be informed because I'm really tired of people who say they believe one thing, but then they're standing with people who don't believe that. Right. The dissonance is unbelievable. Yeah. And for, for a Christian to even question, for someone who who, who claims to be a Christian, they're like, I, I'm, I'm really torn. What are you torn about? Hmm. Human bodies being torn apart by a party right. that celebrates it as a choice, as a women's rights. I mean, this is fundamental. If you're not alive, nothing else matters. Right. None of the other issues. A dead child doesn't need an education. A dead child doesn't need a house. A dead child doesn't need anything. How do you really feel? Okay. <laughs> but so, that's why we do what we do, because we really are passionate about that. And and I'm just so grateful that people were this passionate about the ending of slavery I mean, there's certain issues that just are absolutely um, paramount and right. abortion and right to life is one of them. And you can't put them on the same level. I mean, you got the pro-life evangelicals for Biden saying, you know, smoking is the moral equivalent to abortion. Well, no. first of all, no one's forcing anybody else to smoke, right? Yeah. And so here you go trying to make these moral equivalencies out of things that just aren't com- aren't comparable. It would be the same, you know, abolitions back then thought, well, you know what, let's, let's worry about clothing. Let's worry about... Yeah. Let's worry about health care because we really can't undo slavery until we make sure that everybody has health care, everybody's got a home, make sure that Underground Railroad leads to a, a house for everybody. No, let's we, just get them out right, of because being the in, enslaved. Right. The injustice of slavery was worthy yeah. enough of that focus because yeah. it needed to end. It was evil, yes. an institution that dehumanized human beings, and we have... And that's what abortion yeah, is. Same wrong, different century. Yeah. And so that's where we are. So now let's jump on to number two. Okay. And this is really critical, especially since we are a married couple. Marriage. Marriage is so important, but the Democrat Party mentions the word once. Only once in the entire um, platform and referring to forced marriages. And that it's in a section that has to do with the fact that they want to increase international abortion funding. That's the only time they mention marriage. The DNC does, does mention LGBT, you know, like. 32 times interesting <laughs> twice as often as the constitution is mentioned by the way so yeah. well you talk about the things you value 
Right. right. Yeah, exactly. You know? And the Republican platform recognizes how crucial marriage is to our t- society. So the platform says this, quote, traditional marriage and family based on marriage between one man and one woman is the foundation for a free society and has for millennia been entrusted with rearing children and instilling cultural values. In Obergefell, five unelected lawyers robbed 320 million Americans of their legitimate constitutional authority to define marriage as the union of one man and one woman. The court twisted the meaning of the 14th Amendment beyond recognition. That's really strong. Those are some really strong words. And it really goes to the radically different heart of judicial philosophy between the two parties. Mm-hmm. So the, the left believes uh, judges should legislate and be activists. And the conservatives believe judges should interpret the law as it is written. Exactly. Right? And that's that's the difference between someone who is a textualist or someone who's, a, who's an originalist like Scalia. And that's why they didn't like the thought of Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who said... I can't just bring my personal preferences into this. I need to interpret the law as it is written. Mm. Leftists don't like that. No. So that's point number two. Let's move on. Mm. Number yeah, three. Let's move on to number three. Religious freedom. Mm. That's important. Yeah, it's actually barely mentioned in the Democratic Party platform and only then to denounce efforts to protect it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, de- quote, Democrats believe that freedom of religion and the right to believe or not to believe are fundamental human rights. We will never use protection of that right as a as a cover for dim- discrimination. Mm. We reject the politicization of religious freedom in American foreign policy, and we condemn atrocities against religious minorities around the world. Now, let's remember, this is the party that chose to boo God at their 2016 convention. That was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's the party that randomly keeps dropping under God when DNC reps say the pledge. And they constantly claim that, quote, religious rights don't trump LGBT rights. Which is the interesting thing. There's a First Amendment. We actually have constitutional rights. And... And it's the first one listed. Religious freedom is the right. first one listed. And there's a reason for that. Right. Because it is the foundation for all the freedoms that follow. Right. And yet. <laughs> and it's interesting because how often are we making room, we as in conservatives, to be tolerant of certain religious beliefs? I think that as a whole, we could probably come off a lot stronger than we do. And meanwhile, the left isn't worrying about being tolerant or At making all. room for various religious beliefs. Exactly. We are the ones who They're are redefining. Tolerant. I mean, that's that's been a hallmark of American life and American freedom is the tolerance. That's why you can have people from so many different religions who who flock to this amazing country. Yeah. Because there is religious freedom. This is not Saudi Arabia. Right. This is not Iran. This is not this yes. Russia. We have religious freedom here, and this is something that we value. So whether I'm a Christian or whether someone's a Mormon or whether someone's a Muslim, this is a value that is a cornerstone. So this is crucial because we have coming up with the Supreme Court, a a very vital case is called Fulton versus the city of Philadelphia. Mm. And this is where the high court is being asked whether a faith-based adoption agency can be shut out of city or state contracts 
uh, for placing children only in married two-parent homes. That's with the mother and a father. And that's what happened with Catholic charities in the city of Philadelphia. They were shut out of this because they would not place with same-sex couples because it violated their religious beliefs. So the ACLU, Lambda Legal, and the Democrat Party leadership, they want to shut down Mm. faith-based child welfare organizations that won't change their religious beliefs to bow to LGBT activism. Right. And who who ends up being helped there? The child? No. No. Closing down faith-based adoption agencies only hurts kids yes. who need a forever family. Adoption doesn't exist for special interest groups. They think it does. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't. It exists for birth parents and yeah. vulnerable children who need the rescue that adoption offers. Yes. We have to keep kids first. As an adoptee right. and as adoptive parents, we're adoptive right, parents. Right. We have four kiddos and two of our kiddos are adopted. We know a little bit about adoption. Yeah. Well, okay, we know a lot about this. But back to the platforms. Here's what the Republican platform has to say about religious liberty. Yeah, go for it. it says, quote, The Bill of Rights lists religious liberty with its rights of conscience as the first freedom to be protected. Religious freedom in the Bill of Rights protects the rights of people to practice their faith in their everyday lives. Ongoing attempts to compel individuals, businesses, and institutions of faith to transgress their beliefs are part of a misguided effort to undermine religion and drive it from the public square. Mm. As a result, many charitable religious institutions that have demonstrated great success in helping the needy have been barred from receiving government grants Mm. and contracts. Interesting. Um, But here, what I have is the polar opposite of the Democratic Party's platform. And this is a pledge to protect religious freedom. Quote, we pledge to defend the religious beliefs and rights of conscience of all Americans and to safeguard religious institutions against government control. Well, because that's that's what it comes down to. Right. Because you've got a party that believes that the government is the solution for everything. So therefore, government is... It invades every facet of our lives. Right. And they're trying to, even even during this pandemic, they're trying to tell us how we can even worship. Hmm. Oh, you can't sing. You can't chant. You can't do this. This is, this is the difference between the parties where one believes that the government is limited in its control and its mm-hmm. involvement in our lives. And the other believes that there's no limit yeah. to government involvement. So right. moving on to number four. Yep. Oh, the mm-hmm. favorite. The favorite. Oh my goodness. You know, you you just can't have a discussion. You just can't have a platform without some climate change. So they call it, you know, they should call it semantic change because they keep changing the phrase in order to fit their whatever narrative. You right. know, it's it's global cooling. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. I'm sorry. It's global warming. No, wait, it's, it's, it's climate change. It's whatever. I mean, the climate change, the climate always changes. I know. <laughs> right? I mean, I love when they call people climate denier. That is the, that's one of the dumbest phrases I've oh, ever I heard. I deny that there's a climate. <laughs> there's no climate. No. What are you talking about? <laughs> there are no clouds. There's no atmosphere. <laughs> climate denier. No, I'm not denying that there's a climate. Nor am I denying that climate changes. It changes all the time. And it's changed without human beings doing anything. Ice ages and then there were warm periods. Mm-hmm had nothing to do with us. And Mm -hmm. so I guess that's the real question is whether or not it's human-caused climate change. So, you know, anthropogenic, that's that's the whole question. Dems think that we have mm, about 10 more years until we just, I don't know, disappear. It's doomsday. (laughs) Run for the hills. Wait, no. Run for the the coastline. Wait, no, there aren't going to be any coastlines (laughs) anymore. I don't know. Run for the... the... populated Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. There's lots of room out there. (laughs) This is the insanity of it, but the 
The Republican Party platform rightly acknowledges the hysteria of climate change, and they state, quote, Climate change is far from the nation's most pressing national security issue. This is the triumph of extremism over common sense, and Congress must stop it. Now, look, as Christians, we are called to be good stewards of the earth. Absolutely. But not gullible stooges of the government. Mm. (laughs) Oh, you thinking bumper stickers. I know. This is how it works. I will just tell you, this is the most animated he's been in like two and a half weeks. I I think that this is what you were born to do. I know. Talk about these things. Yeah, we should probably do this more often. (laughs) I know. I'm sure you're going to end up going right back to bed after this. Yeah. Which you don't see behind the scenes. I know. (laughs) Oh, haggard. But I'm glad that you're, you're, you're into this. And this is so important. It, is it really impo- it's important to be passionate about these things. We can't be sleeping on it. We can't be like sleepers, not knowing what we believe about what's going on. Exactly. Then you're going to find yourself in conversations about Trump's personality. And and I'm always like, can we just move from the fluff and the idiocy? We can all agree that people's personalities and the things that they've done are are questionable but let's talk about policy yeah well people can commit all kinds of heinous acts and have a great personality <laughs> i mean it's personality so what i'm I'm more interested in what are the actual residuals right. of a a president or a legislator's uh actions right. and policies what is what's actually being carried out yep. and that's the stuff we need to be highly informed voters as yeah. christians especially i'm so tired of low information voters yeah. we talk about how you know, this this right to vote is so sacred. Yeah. Well, if it's sacred, take time. Yeah. Take the time to investigate. Yeah. So we yeah. have, um, you know, the, the whole climate change thing. It's important that people understand that so much of climate change, there's nothing new. It's been for over a century, starting with Reverend Thomas, um, Robert Thomas, or it was Thomas Robert Malthus, who, who said that the world would be standing room only, you know, over a century ago. Of course, that was wrong. Yeah. But it's it's all rooted in eugenics. Right. It's crazy to think that the entire basis of climate change is rooted in eugenics. Yeah. I don't know if you remember what fake feminist and Democrat darling Gloria Steinem said about climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, she had said, what causes climate deprivation is population. Us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we had not been systemically forcing women to have children... For over the 500 years of patriarchy, we wouldn't have the climate problems that we have now. Mm, okay. okay. Hey, mama. Hey, woman. More babies. <laughs> now, me speak. You listen. Patriarch. <laughs> you patriarch, you. But you know what, Gloria? That's not how it works. <laughs> it's not, it's so... not how it works. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is... This is this is what happens when, first of all, it, since it's rooted in a pseudoscience, which is eugenics, of course they're going to say any crazy thing they want to, and they never have to back it you up. You know, I've actually heard you in debates. Like, when people bring up population control, how do you answer population control? Like, questions. When people say, well, we are overpopulated. Well, that's a myth that we're overpopulated. We could all fit in the landmass of Alaska and still have plenty of room left over every right. person on the planet. So every person on the planet could fit in their own little area in one state of Alaska. Yeah. So before we start buying into the fact that there's overpopulation, is the population growing? Yes. Yeah. But can the globe 
handle it? Yes. Yes. Is and it, a means of yeah. production and a means of providing food. And that, that continues to increase. There's a great website, pop.org, yes. that actually deals with all the overpopulation myths. Pop.org. Check that one out. But yes, this is right. this and is how their different whole... people deal and countries deal with their resources. That's a whole other discussion. Exactly. But as far as the the foundation of population control, um, it's a complete myth. Yeah, it is. And never mind that these climate change con artists never seem to address the fact that all, not just some, but all of their doomsday predictions have been wrong right. over and over and over again. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous. There's a great article that I came across a while back. It's from the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and they've put together 50 years of failed radical environmentalist predictions. Mm -hmm. And so we'll link to it in the show 16 Good. block at lifeispurpose.com. But you have to check out this list. I mean, mm -hmm. they never want to, I mean, Paul Ehrlich and the population bomb, they never want to address the fact that, Oh, you guys were so wrong and so off. England is still here, Paul Ehrlich. I, mm. I mean, he talked about massive starvations of hundreds and hundreds of millions of people across the globe. None of that has materialized, but it doesn't matter because they just keep with the next doomsday prediction and the next and under the under the false banner of science of science right so it's the same party that claims it's all about science mm -mm. yet it denies the scientific fact that human life begins at conception <laughs> isn't that right that's a basic scientific fact right and it claims to quote follow the science with climate change but the present science like all of the models and predictions in scientific journals over the last century have been wrong wrong and the totally. democrat party never uh, one for hyperbole, of course. No, 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 no. Says climate change is an existential threat. <laughs> well, here's California Governor Jerry Brown comparing climate change to, boom, 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 the Holocaust. I would point to the fact that it took Roosevelt many, many years to get America uh, willing to go into World War II and fight the Nazis. Well, we have a, an enemy, okay. uh, though different, but perhaps... Uh, very much devastating in a similar way, and we got to fight climate change, and the president's got to lead on that. So, the former governor of California is comparing climate change with what actually wiped mm. out millions upon millions of people. But you know, this is nothing new. Did Did you catch the ridiculous irony recently with um, the radically pro-abortion Senator Chuck Schumer? Democrat, of mm -hmm. course, who went hysterical on the Senate floor when he was opposing the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And he said these words. Oh, my word. I mean, really, people even I don't even believe they believe what they're saying. It's so ridiculous. He said this on the Senate floor, quote, generations yet unborn will suffer the consequence of this nomination as the globe gets warmer, as workers continue to fall behind, as unlimited dark money floods our politics, as reactionary state legislatures curtail a woman's right to choose and then blah, 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 blah. He goes on and on. But I love how climate change extremists always couple it with abortion. Hmm. Always. Sorry, hmm. Senator Schumer. Generations yet unborn? suffer mm. from being aborted, being mm. killed by the millions. And really, when when did the Democrat Party care about the unborn? <laughs> I know. When, when, I can't even believe it. He actually knew that word. He used the word unborn. Yeah. <sighs> the irony. Which, okay. which, which they always talk about how pro-lifers never talk about and never do anything after... Oh, please. ...they're born, mm. after the babies are born. But... but <laughs> I, which is a total farce. Flip side, can we speak truth here and say, well, hey, you never talk about 
well, unless it fits your narrative, which exactly. it did at that moment. Right. But other than that, you want you don't want to talk about the humanity of the unborn. Yeah, exactly. For mm. anybody who says that, and especially a Christian <sighs> who, who tries to say, you know, pro-lifers don't care about people after they're born. Mm. We are the ones who care. I mean, that's the type of person, first of all, that's escaped. That was born and escaped right. the violence of abortion. That's right. the type of person who apparently has never stepped inside of one of our nation's 2,700 pregnancy centers. Right, which we need to do a show just on pregnancy care centers. Oh, we will. Because honestly, you should find one where you are and just go visit. Just go say, hey, can we stop by? Can we see what you guys are doing? Exactly. Because they are champions. They are champions. And, and so someone who's ever worked or volunteered inside a pregnancy center, they would never say pro-lifers don't care about people after they're born. Obviously, someone who says that, that whole bumper sticker mantra... Oh. Has never visited a maternity gets, home, has never been inside an adoption agency, has never walked through an adoption process, has never heard of the Catholic Church. Which really has championed what it means to be pro-life and to walk that out. From beginning to end. I mean, the Catholic Church globally is the largest institution that that carries out and fills the need of those who are broken, those who are poor. I mean, worldwide. And then you've got, you know, pro-life organizations like Samaritan's Purse and Operation Blessing, Little Sisters of the Poor and yeah. Both Hands and the list goes on and on. One of the amazing projects that we visited was called the uh, Jericho Project. Mm-hmm. These are people, these are pro-life organizations that care about people after the born. You're talking about billions of dollars worth of this care. Yeah. So for someone to say that, you know, it's easy to say it on social media because you get affirmed yeah. because it doesn't require any action yeah. Or any facts to post something like that. Life has Pro-slavery politicians never reduced slavery. Pro-abortion politicians never reduce abortion. Hashtag common sense. Go to radiance.life slash vote pro-life. Every week, Ryan's articles appear on various news outlets. Each week, we'll feature one of his latest commentaries. Two weeks ago, I nearly died. It sounds dramatic, and it was. Two weeks ago, I was rushed to the hospital, unable to breathe. I had suffered a pulmonary embolism resulting in blood clots to my lungs, and it was a terrifying experience. I had been battling blood clots for years and never knew. It was a mixture of health deterioration that led me away from my normal self for especially the past year. My heavy travel and speaking schedule, heavy creative demands, and heavy heart for reaching a broken culture was breaking me. I've always kept my wife and kiddos my highest priority, but wasn't protecting myself the way I should have. Thank heaven I wasn't flying when this happened. To further complicate things, bilateral pneumonia infections set in days after being admitted to the hospital. But the prayers and encouraging messages and all kinds of support poured in from all across the country. My wife, Bethany, and I are so grateful, so incredibly grateful for all the love. There's nothing like nearly losing your life to be reminded about how precious every single person you love is, especially family. After a week's worth of intense IV antibiotics and antiviral treatments and, quote, remarkable progress, unquote, as exclaimed by the physicians and other staff, I finally returned home. It will be a long journey of recovery, but we're praying and believing for a God detour to complete healing. It's easy to be overwhelmed right now by my fragile state, but I'm looking forward to being overwhelmed by what God will do through all of this. In the meantime, we've had to cancel all of my in-person speaking events for the rest of the year. 
All virtual events are still in place, and Bethany's events were already moved to virtual due to the pandemic. But if you're so moved, you are welcome to help support us personally as we navigate through exorbitant medical costs and drastic loss of income through a GoFundMe link in this article. The link will be given at the end of this commentary. Or you can make a one-time donation uh, or monthly donation if you'd want, a tax-deductible donation at that to the Radiance Foundation. Simply go to radiance.life forward slash donate. I will take the time to heal. During this time, as I opt out of travel for the rest of the year, we will continue to write, to create, and to engage the culture. We are excited to resume our Life as Purpose podcast, which is what you're listening to right now, and continue to be a public voice of life in a culture of death. Please join us in praying for the acquisition of new office space and the resources and staff to replicate what we do by training others. The world needs more factivists who love Jesus and love people. I now better understand how crucial rest is. We often dismiss it, but rest is a powerful spiritual weapon too. You can't thrive if you ain't alive. (laughs) Look, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he has tried to destroy me throughout my life before I was even born. Many say someone with my story should have been aborted. I was conceived in rape, but adopted in love. My birth mom's courage set off a course of events she never could have imagined. Her singular decision has caused beautiful reverberations for generations. Countless lives have been changed by the grace of God because she chose to be stronger than her circumstances. I pray that the horror of rape over the years has been replaced with healing. I've never met her, but I hope that one day I can see her and tell her face to face how grateful I am for this incredible gift of life. This whole traumatic near-death experience brought me back to a story I had read hundreds of times throughout my childhood in the book of Genesis. It's amazing how a moment illuminates something so differently. It's the story of Joseph and what is usually described as a situation of sibling jealousy and the power of forgiveness. But I feel there's even more to the narrative. Joseph's brothers never saw his worth, but that his existence was a threat to their own joy and fulfillment. How many take that approach to a life, especially the unborn, that interferes with their own? His brothers originally plotted to kill him, but threw him into a pit and eventually sold him into slavery. The elaborate scheme to erase Joseph from their lives ended with them convincing their grief-stricken father, with the coat of many colors drenched in blood, that, quote, without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces, end quote. His brothers tried to destroy what they could not understand. Despite being horribly treated like property, Joseph treated them with humanity. He saved them from starvation. They couldn't comprehend their father's love for him, and it drove them to discard the miracle that was actually made for them. Millions are discarded because so many don't see their divine imprint or the dreams they could have possessed and could have uniquely fulfilled. My heart weeps. For those lost dreamers, I thank God that Satan has failed to erase me. These words from Joseph in Genesis 50:20 are a new life anthem for me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. I nearly died two weeks ago, but God, he had different plans. I know I was meant to be. And I'll continue to fight through whatever circumstance to rescue the ones 
left to perish in our cultural pits. I'm Ryan Bomberger, and you can find this commentary at radiance.life slash nearly died. For more op-eds, go to radiance.life slash news. Listen, download, and subscribe at lifehaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Number okay, five. Let's do number five. Yeah. Number five. Last but not least. Education. Mm-mm, certainly not least. The left is beholden to unions, mm-hmm. and unions don't like competition. Right. And at the end of the day, our public schools, despite many good teachers and many good intentions, are, are really failing our students. And more importantly, our public schools are failing families and trying to drive a wedge between students and their parents. I believe very deeply that education needs to be parent-led, not activist-led, and government schools need competition. Yep. But the Democrat Party fights adamantly against school choice. Yeah. And this is, yeah, I'm passionate about this too, more and more. Well, because you you were a teacher. I mean, well, you are a teacher. You are a homeschooling teacher, but you you taught in public and private school. Right, and different ages. and, And I've had lots of different experiences. And at the end of the day, the reality is that the what school choice could offer to America's education system is nothing but some competition that will force the people who are doing <laughs> crappy execution of of educating. It will really call people um, call people up. Yeah, and it should. The, the interesting thing is the Democrat Party platform mentions education a hundred and nine times. Wow, hundred nine times. I didn't know that. But they don't ever mention educational or school choice Mm. one time and this is interesting too because i think about like the naacp for instance and where there there was this you know across the country there are black and brown parents who are protesting what's going on in these public schools they want school choice and they're demanding like naacp why aren't you representing us why aren't you supporting school choice well because Mm -hmm. of their donors Right. So the NAACP doesn't support school choice. And they want to talk about school to prison pipeline. Give me a break. They don't support educational choice. What is actually best for a lot of kids right. in underserved areas. Right. Democrats on education, they say this. Quote, for too long, we have shortchanged our children by underinvesting in our nation's public schools and in our higher education systems. Our public schools are bedrock community institutions, and yet our educators are underpaid, our classrooms are overstuffed, and our school buildings have been neglected, especially in low-income neighborhoods and communities of color. Okay, can we stop here for a minute? When we talk about how much, for instance, D.C., DC alone spent 30,000 per student last year and yet only 23% are proficient in reading. That's abysmal. 30,000 because in my opinion the model is upside down. Right. The majority of those funds are going to administration, they're going to all these different places and after being in the school system they're being uh misappropriated. So much of the funding is misappropriated. Right. Well, by the time you get to the to the trickle down effect by the time you get to where that money's actually spent these kids aren't getting that 30,000 if if you ran a business that way right and if you spent all the money on the people and the running it and the executives but you by the time you get to the amount of money that you're spending on your the actual product that's the least amount 
Yeah. yeah. You couldn't run a business. You'd go under. Exactly. But somehow, because our school districts are run by government, the money isn't being questioned. We're wanting, you know, the answer for the Dems is pour more money. Well, you're just pouring more money into corruption. Exactly. And the money isn't getting to the schools. Exactly. It's not getting to those kids. I mean, honest to God, you're in D.C., $30,000 a kid, and yet we still have supply lists. I'm still buying supplies for, you know, as a parent, not, I'm just saying like when my kids, our kids have done charter and they've done Christian and I'm not saying I even mind buying the supplies, but something is really wrong when the, when the numbers on top of those kids heads and that's, you know, we're, we're outside of DC. It's less than that, but it's still, it's still an exorbitant amount of money that is being poured into education and mishandled. Exactly. And you taught in Philly your last three years. Yeah, I did. So you live that out. You you experience the, the reality that where is that money going? Where is the money going? And and, and it's, it's not going to the teachers because you didn't have like a fat paycheck. Or no, it absolutely wasn't going to the teachers. And you know what? It wasn't going into keeping those buildings up. I had an awesome principal who was really intentional about keeping our school as clean as possible. But I'll tell you, I subbed in other buildings. I taught summer school in other buildings and that you could have, it felt like a third world country summer school when it's 90 degrees outside and you're on the third floor with no air conditioning, mice running around. It's deplorable. There's no way you can tell me that the funds aren't misappropriated. And if you couldn't tell, I I get hype about this. (laughs) And we should. This is these are the things that we should care about. And we we're doing the top five, and right. heaven knows we could do twenty. But Republicans, going back to the platform, yeah, right, right, right. Family. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Is the foundational institution, not government, and this is the the ideological difference, the huge ideological difference. So there is a radically different mentality when it comes to education, parent led, not government forced. Yep. And so the Republican platform says this, quote, we call for removal of structural impediments, which progressives throw in the path of poor people. We will continue our fight for school choice until all parents can find good, safe schools for their children. Parents are a child's first and foremost educators and have primary responsibility for the education of their children. Parents have a right to direct their children's education, care, and upbringing. We support a constitutional amendment to protect that right from interference by states, the federal government, or international mm-hmm. bodies such as the United Nations, end quote. Can I get an amen? Well, mm-hmm. come on. That right there, 100%. Yeah. And as homeschooling parents, and as, of course, like we've mentioned, a former public and private school teacher, I have a right as a parent to direct the education of my children. Do not mess with a mama bear. And and you know what? It's interesting as we watched, as we've watched the, just the pivoting in the educational system in this season. And we're seeing so many people who are having to homeschool or take on the responsibilities at home to oversee. And I know that there are many parents out there that, that feel like, they don't, they don't have the expertise to handle these situations and to educate full-time their own children, but they understand they want the best for their children. And that's why parent-led doesn't mean parents teach all the classes, but it does mean that I'm praying that what's going on right now will awaken parents to want to be more involved and take back some of this control from the government. You know, when these parents are sitting at home and they're like, I seriously, you know, I'm losing my job because I have to be home with my kids and there's $20,000 being spent on my kid. How How is this working? This isn't. Right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And here's the here's the, the, the crux of the problem. 
government is not the solution to everything. It's not our government salvation. causes uh, a lot of the, these issues to begin with. And the government mm-hmm. is not the solution. Sometimes we are that solution. Come on. And so we have to have a different framework. We have one party that believes the government can solve everything. Mm-hmm. And another party that believes the government should be limited. Right. And so there are some things that the government does and does well. But those are very few things. And when it comes to education mm-hmm. especially, it's one thing that should never be a hands-off. And that's kind of what the the government-run school system wants. They want parents out of the picture. They want to drive a wedge between student and parent. And that cannot be. So... These are the top five. There are top there are five. more. There are okay. a lot more. I mean, I there. The, the important thing is that we as voters are well informed right. voters. Right, right, right. We have two um, political parties. Right, they have radically different approaches to the issues for our that our society faces. And like you said, we cannot be uninformed. There are some great resources to know more about the candidates and the issues. So if you go to ballotpedia.com, I'm going to spell that B-A-L-L-O-T-P-E-D-I-A, ballotpedia.com, you will find some really uh, rich information and some great there's some great resources there yes lots of it or you can go to ivoterguide.com that's right. the letter i voterguide.com it allows you to select your state you can see your ballot you can, mm-hmm. it gives you all kinds of information about registering to vote which yes you can mm-hmm. still register to mm-hmm. vote in some mm-hmm. states some states actually let you register the day you vote up till the day up election? election day yes, really? on election day um but you have to check and see what your state allows but uh, ivoterguide.com provides all kinds of election related info so Yes. So folks, go vote. Go, go vote. Go vote. And go listen, vote. go vote pro-life. Bam. Be a voice for those that don't have one. Be a voice that is going to vote for the life of a child, a human that in years to come without your vote might not have that opportunity. Seriously, vote. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has purpose. purpose.